Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Still coming at you guys with daily podcasts, articles, different things coming at you on the Twitter side and also at SportsEthos.com. If you guys are not already over there checking us out, you really should be. Got a lot of content across all four major sports. We got daily gambling stuff, DFS, team coverage, and all the rest. So make sure you guys are checking us out over there, SportsEthos.com. Now we are going to talk today about some different news that we've heard over the last day or so. Now, one of these things, uh, the thing we're going to lead off with here, was going to be a little bit farther down the list, but we've actually gotten a little bit more of a serious update than I was expecting, and it's about Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is going to miss the rest of the regular season and potentially the playoffs, according to the GM of the Rangers, Chris Young. It's unlikely he is going to pitch in the playoffs should the Rangers end up getting in there. This is something that I was going to talk about because he was pulled from his start last night in Toronto against the Blue Jays. I was there. I was at the game uh, last night with a few friends, and we saw him come out of the game. It looked like, they, well, they said it was spasms in his tricep. We weren't sure how serious it was going to be, uh, but after the MRI that he had today, it looks like he is done for the season. So you're obviously cutting him at this point. It doesn't look like we're going to have much in the way of him coming back. Uh, certainly for the regular season, but it doesn't look like even in the playoffs. The question more becomes, what do we do with Max Scherzer for next season? And again, uh, I'm trying to answer these questions maybe a little bit too early about specific players. We were talking about this yesterday with a few different guys, uh, Cole Reagans, Hassan Kim, and Royce Lewis. We're talking about where I think they're going to generally go next year. And again, it's too early to have a full, clear picture of exactly where these guys are going to be drafted. But I'm going to start thinking about that just so in my mind I have a range of where do I think I want to take this guy in certain leagues? Is he going to be going higher or lower than I expect him to? Max Scherzer is always somebody that is going to go fairly high in drafts just because of name recognition, because of the multiple Cy Youngs and everything else he's done in his career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. But we have to look at this realistically now. He is going to be 40 years old in the middle of next year. He turned 39 uh, in July. So having a July birthday rate smack in the middle of the year, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of arbitrary when your birthday is. But, you know, you're hitting that point in your career where things start to generally not look so great. How many pitchers really successfully get into their 40s? The odds are against you. You also have to look at the fact that Scherzer has been a healthy pitcher for his entire career. If you look back starting in 2009, 30 starts, and then going forward every year, 31, 33, 32, 32, 33, 33, 34, 31, 33, always healthy, always, always healthy. And now over these last couple of seasons, last year, 145 innings, and this year, 152 innings. Yes, in the grand scheme of things for most pitchers, that's a pretty complete season in this day and age. I did tweet that out. Um, 
you know, my concerns about Scherzer, and it was pointed out to me, well, you know, he's still pitching 150 innings. He has these last two seasons, which is already a steep decline from where he was at, averaging from 2009 through 2018, more than 200 or about 200 innings every season. You know, there was a stretch there between 2014 and 2016 where you're looking at 220, 228, 228 innings. This guy has a lot of mileage under him, not to mention the fact that he has now been injured for these last couple of seasons, and he's going to be in his age 40 year next year. He'll start the year at 39 and then turn 40 midway through the year. I just can't see myself paying what is likely to still be a pretty handsome price for Max Scherzer. He had a pretty decent year overall. Let's say the book is closed on him for this year, which it looks like it is. 13 wins, 174 strikeouts in 152 innings, a 3.77 ERA, and a 112 whip. It's not bad at all. But a 3.77 ERA is the highest we've seen from Scherzer going back to 2011. So it's been a long time since he has actually put up that high of a number. He's been in the twos, you know, in 2020 in the short year, it was 3.74, so it was close. But again, 2020, you can't really look at that as a huge sampling of anything. Uh, pretty much every year other than that, going back to 2014, it was under 3 ERA every single year. So we have seen the decline performance-wise. We're seeing him walk a few more batters than we're used to. The strikeout rate's not quite what it used to be as well. We're seeing him start to decline. So uh, yes, Max Scherzer is a drop for this season. And at this point, I can't see him being somebody that I'm really highly invested in for next year. If he's still going to be somebody that goes in the top four or five rounds, I'm just not going to be in on him. I'm guessing he's probably going to still be you know, going in the 50s or 60s. We'll see. You know, As someone gets older, people start to generally fade them a little bit. But again, the name recognition there, the fact that Scherzer is going to be a Hall of Famer, and he still put up a pretty solid year this year. If you look at Yahoo's player rater, he's number 63 right now. That's nothing to sneeze at. You know, A lot of that does come from the 13 wins, the pretty good whip, the good strikeouts. The ERA is not great at 377. But again, in the climate that we're in, where pitching stats are generally kind of higher than we're used to at the top, we're not seeing as many sub-3 ERAs, not as many dominant guys at the top there. It's still a pretty good season that you're getting out of Scherzer. You know, we're used to a lot better from him in particular, but from any random guy who puts up this kind of year, and we're talking about it as an amazing season. It's still very good, but it's not what we're used to with Max Scherzer. So you have to start to look at it from the point of he is declining, and he's going to still be going fairly high just because of who he is. I'm just not going to be the one who's paying that price unless he does actually fall. If he does start to go close to pick 100, around pick 100, which he won't, then maybe I would be interested. Uh, maybe in individual drafts, certain drafts he'll fall that far. You know, Maybe you'll see a max pick of around 100 or so in certain drafts. If you're looking at NFBC, you can see the minimum pick and the maximum pick for a player. Maybe you'll see maximum picks that high. I still think generally he will be overdrafted, and I just can't see myself being too interested uh, in taking Max Scherzer. It's unfortunate. He's had a great career. You know, he's put up a hell of a lot of fantasy value over the course of his career. He's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. He's been one of the best pitchers of this generation, or some would argue the best. I'm personally more in like the Kershaw, Kershaw lane there, but you could definitely make an argument for Max Scherzer uh, as being right there with him. So it's been a great run. I, he'll still probably have decent value next year. Like I'm not saying he's going to be horrible. He might still give you a similar kind of ERA, but again, I'm not going to be paying a very high draft pick considering the, the the high cost and the high risk value that you have there uh, with Max Scherzer. Could be very good, but I just don't really see it at age 40 for him. I do want to talk about Alec Manoa, and and we didn't really get into this yesterday. I, I want to talk about it now. So if you haven't heard, you probably did. He was demoted to Buffalo, the AAA affiliate of the Jays, 
about a month ago, a little bit more than a month ago at this point, I think. And according to reports, he essentially like refused to pitch down there. His team was very upset that he was demoted based on his performance, which was awful this year. He was awful. And, you know, there's a lot of conflicting reports. Who knows what's exactly true? But apparently he was not happy that he was going to be making the minor league wage once he got demoted, which I believe is the standard. Once you're in AAA, you're making the, you know, the AAA wage. If you're in the majors, you're making your major league equivalent wage there. Uh, I think his major league contract, he's still on that rookie deal. It's like, I think it's 750K he's making. It's not like crazy, crazy value. It's not like he's in the millions, leaving millions on the table. It's still something. But that's what happens when you get demoted. I can't even understand his point of view of being upset about being demoted. He was awful. And the Blue Jays have, you know, for most of the year, for a good chunk of the year now, had the best pitching rotation in all of baseball. They haven't needed Alec Manoa. If there was a desperate need, the, you know, the Blue Jays have the best ERA uh, in, I believe they still have the best starting pitcher ERA. They're one of the top two or three teams at worst. If they had a, you know, if they were 24th in ERA as a team and they were struggling to find guys to go out there and cobbling together bullpen games, then I could understand him him being upset about being sent down and saying, well, why don't you let me work through it? Maybe then I can understand it. In this case, especially where the Blue Jays are coming from, as having such a strong staff, there's no need for him on the major league roster. He needs to work it out. Consider the season a complete wash. It's lost and work on things and try and get better for next year. But the way he is showing himself here, this mentality is. I'm too good to be in the minors, which he is damn sure not after what we saw this year. He had no control. He was dreadful for, I think he had 19 starts, and I think about 16 or 17 of them were damn near unwatchable. So I don't know who the hell Alec Manoa at this point thinks he is. I've turned from being a very big fan of him to being kind of neutral, if not somewhat sour on him. If you guys go back and listen to old podcasts, and if maybe you've been around for the ride and you've heard them when they came out, I've been a huge fan of Manoa. Always been a huge fan of Manoa, but this shit is pretty inexcusable, assuming it is valid. And it it's, seems like it's coming from reputable guys within the organization and people who are around the team and who work for the team. And it doesn't sound like this is just some some bullshit that somebody is stewing up. It seems like it's pretty true. We haven't heard Manoa's camp come out and say anything strongly on the other side and say, no, this is not true. Blah, blah, blah. Like It seems like he's actually just kind of a diva. And we always knew that to some extent that Manoa had this big personality where if there could be times when uh, he's coming across as being kind of a dick and maybe he, he just is kind of a dick. And I thought that, that was working out for him pretty well at first because the success was there. And sometimes there are those big personalities who are able to just use that and have that high confidence level. You know, he was never the guy with the greatest stuff. He didn't throw the craziest high, you know, high velocity fastballs. And he had, he had good movement. He has good off speeds and whatnot. But he's not somebody who was like overpowering. And I thought part of his, you know, success came from having that mentality of being this warrior, this alpha type. But now it seems to have bitten him in the ass in terms of how he's handled this situation. And he's taken that mentality. And it seems his team around him has also not really given him good guidance here. And they're also kind of upset about him being demoted. And they refuse to you know, pitch in, the, in AAA. And now he's not going to pitch again this season. By all reports, uh, we've seen from a few different people with the Blue Jays. I believe it was uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith who reported it first that he is very unlikely to pitch again this year. And there's no real point in it. I think that there's a decent chance he doesn't pitch again for the Blue Jays, and if he doesn't get his shit together, he may not pitch again in the big leagues if he keeps this up. If it's like someone will more than likely not take a chance on him, but if the stuff is not there and he's proven to be this kind of personality where he's not going to listen to the criticism that's being leveled towards him, very valid criticism, 
then I don't think a lot of teams are going to necessarily want that around. Now, he has shown flashes of brilliance, like I've mentioned, and everybody knows he was a Cy Young finalist last year. I believe he came third in voting. You don't do that without having a lot of talent. You know, you can say, oh, it was a lucky season. You, you know, a guy can be lucky for that long. The first 50 starts of his career were excellent. I watched, I think, 48 or 49 of them, and he was just dominant. It's not like he doesn't have that in him. It's just a matter of getting the personality in check and maybe thinking, okay, I need to realize that I'm not, you know, Cy Young. I'm not King Shit. I am somebody who has, is a young guy who has a lot of things to work on, and I need to get my mentality in check before I'm ready to go back on a big league mound because right now he's definitely not ready to be on a big league mound, and I wonder what the course of action will be here in the offseason for the Blue Jays. Do they trust him going into the next year? Hyunjin Ryu is going to be a free agent. I doubt he's going to come back to Toronto. Maybe he does, but I don't know if Toronto's going to want to pay him what he is likely to want to get. I don't know if Toronto's going to go out there and spend 10, 15, 20 million dollars on another starter to essentially be the fifth guy in that rotation because the the first four are are pretty solidified there because I I just don't know if they're going to want to spend that because they have Manoa, but at the same time can they, they I don't know if they can trust Manoa. Uh, he's putting the team and he's putting himself in, in a very tough position here going forward. And I really don't know what the outlook is on him. If you have him in a dynasty league, like I'm not cutting him, but I'm very nervous. I don't know what you're doing with him. If you're selling him off, you're, you're not getting much, if anything, for him at this point. You probably just have to hold on. But the future right now for him is not looking bright unless he really shapes up his his mentality. And, of course, he needs to you know dominate performance-wise as well like he used to. He can't just get the mentality and check that. I mean, I think that's the first step, but the performance has to follow, and whether it will or not is anybody's guess at this point. But Manoa definitely needs to sit down and look himself in the, in the mirror and say, uh, what, what am I doing with myself? Why am I alienating this team that you know has given me a chance here and has you know, brought me to the major leagues? And you, know, you came up, you skipped levels of the minor leagues, you did very well. It seemed to be a very good relationship, and it seems like it's getting killed right now. And it's not the fault of the of the organization. And usually I'm the guy who's backing the player. I'm not backing organizations or ownership over players usually. But but this seems like it's just Manoa being being an idiot. It's not the team's fault that Manoa went out there and was awful this year. Maybe you can attribute it to the pitch clock. Maybe you can attribute it to, you know, whatever you want, that he was just maybe a little bit lucky these last couple of years or whatever. But it's not the team's fault. This is on Manoa. This performance issue is on Manoa, and so is the mentality issue. So he needs to work on it. His organization, or his not his organization, his personal team, uh, his management team needs to really think about their plan going forward because right now it's not looking great uh, for Manoa at the big league level at this point. But let's move on. Let's talk about another guy. Uh, not a great pitching situation as well here. This one was announced last night uh, that Yu Darvish has been shut down for the rest of the season. He's on the uh, place on the 15-day IL a couple of weeks ago for this bone spur in his elbow, uh, and it's recovering slower than they expected, and with the team not really in con- con- uh, competing for anything, there's really no point in bringing you Darvish back. He's probably another guy that I'm not going to be terribly interested in for next season. Another guy who's not terribly young at this point. He's 37 years old right now. He has a late birthday, so I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like I said, it's kind of arbitrary, but he'll be 38 later on uh, into next season. I just don't know if we can really trust him at this point. Last year, we saw the strikeout rate fall off a cliff. After we, It had always been great. He's always had great strikeout rates in his whole career. And last year, it fell off. Uh, you know, He's always been like a 30-ish percent kind of guy. He did pick it up closer to the end of the year and ended up back at 25, but that was a pretty steep fall. 
And then he fell another percent on it this year, which I was talking about it yesterday. Sometimes that's not a big deal. You know, you're talking 1% here, 1% there. It's not the end of the world. But when you're seeing that year-over-year decline with an increase in the walk rate going back up to 7.5%, we haven't seen a number like that from him since 2019. You know, I, I'm not going to be very interested in you, Darvish, at this point of his career. It's been kind of hit or miss over these last couple of seasons. He was very good in the short year in 2020, pretty bad in 21. Very good last year in 2022, and then this year, a 456 ERA, uh, only eight victories for him. Just really wasn't great. The advanced numbers, if you're looking at the pitching indicators, they're still not bad. You're looking at high threes, low fours for those XFIPs and Sierras of the world. It wasn't terrible, but definitely not somebody that I'm going to be that interested in. Another guy who may just go a little bit too high because of that name recognition, because he has put up great seasons in the past, Cy Young-worthy seasons in the past. Not that he has ever won the award, but there have been times when you can look at his stats and say, well, he, he could have very well won that award in a couple different years. He's just not somebody that I think at this point you can be that interested in. Uh, as you get older, it's just there are so many young guys coming up. We've seen such an influx of young pitchers this season come up throughout the entire year. We've really been spoiled this season, not just with pitchers. The pitchers are the specific point I'm making this year. It's young talent in general. But the pitching has been just so exceptional when you're talking about all these young guys. And I just can't see myself taking a guy like Darvish, who I could see going in a similar range to – you know, your Gavin Williams and your Tanner Bybees of the world, uh, those young arms. I don't know. Yuri Perez will definitely go a higher, uh, but maybe like a Cole Reagans or somebody like that. Like I can see all these young emerging guys going in a similar range to some of these older guys who are kind of fading out because it's just kind of going to equal out this year with those older guys going farther up the draft boards or, as I say, farther down a higher number, I should say, in terms of their ADP. Uh, but they're going to be falling in drafts with these younger guys going up in drafts, and they probably might actually meet at a certain point where a lot of these guys are going in the same kind of grouping, these younger guys with these older guys. And I'm taking the younger guys a lot of the time. We're going to have to go case-by-case basis for a lot of them, which we'll do throughout the offseason. But for a guy like you, Darvish, I, I, unless he's going real late, unless he's going like you know close to pick 200 or so, I, I'm not really going to be interested in him, and I can't. Eh, maybe he does go that late, but I think a lot of people will still probably take him in the 150 or so range, and he's just not going to be somebody that I'm going to be terribly interested in taking that high up. Saw an interesting one uh, about Felix Batista. Felix Batista apparently might return this season. Now, I'm, this report that I read, it didn't really specify if it's going to be in the regular season or in the playoffs. It just said he hopes to pitch again in 2023. Now, he does have a partial tear of his UCL, so this one is kind of concerning that they're going to play around with this. I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not sure what the usual way would be to go about this. You see guys sometimes pitch, or you know, I think Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills, he has a partially torn UCL. Like Sometimes athletes can still go out and play with this kind of thing, but with how hard he throws, and if it's already partially torn, I don't know what good it's going to do to go out there. Like they've already talked about, I'm seeing in this right up here from Rotowire, uh, that they're still talking about surgery. It's not off the table for Batista in the offseason. I just don't know why they're going to take a risk. And if they are going to take a risk, I think it's more likely than not going to be in the postseason. I'm not sure. Like people are still holding on to him. He's still 91% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I just don't know if they're really going to take a risk in the regular season. They have all but secured their playoff spot. They're not officially clinched yet. But at 91 and 53 here with about 20 games left to go, 18 games left to go or whatever it is, you're pretty secure in your playoff spot. The Orioles could probably go 6-12 and 12 or whatever it is over their final stretch and still make the playoffs. They're almost 40 games over 500. 
they're they're secure. The Rays, who are just a couple games behind them, uh, two and a half games behind them, they have a nine-game advantage in the wild card. So let's say even the Rays pass the Orioles, which is the only realistic situation there for the Orioles to not win the East because the Blue Jays are not passing them, the Red Sox, and you know, those guys are not going to pass them. Even if the Rays do jump over the Orioles, the Orioles are going to make the playoffs through a wild card spot. I don't see the need to risk Batista. I don't even think they need to throw him again this season. I think you need to focus on the long-term health there to some degree. Maybe they don't see him as being a long-term piece. Maybe they see him as expendable long-term because closers are kind of volatile. What are you going to do with a guy who's already 28 years old? You're not going to sign him for a long contract probably, even though he's been just electric. He's been dominant this whole season. He did kind of have the wheels fall off over the last couple of weeks, but you think there's probably an injury there before we knew about it, so you can't really hold that against him. We saw him be absolutely dominant. I just don't know what their plan is for the future. Are they going to have Batista, you know, uh, do they plan on using him as a closer going forward year after year? I- I'm not really sure. Are they going to take a chance with him here where maybe they probably shouldn't? I don't know. You can look at the Edwin Diaz situation. Is Edwin Diaz going to pitch again this year? They've talked about it. There's a chance that he pitches again this season. He's having bullpen sessions, but we haven't heard a report on him in a week. He's probably not going to pitch, I don't think. Like, I don't see any point in it at all. The Mets are nine games back at the wild card. I suppose if they had a miracle run and they won like 15 games in a row or something, they'd have a chance. But, you know, they're, they're not making the postseason this year. They're, they're just not. There's too many teams ahead of them. They've been too bad. They're just, they're just not going to make it. We all know this. Edwin Diaz, I doubt he's going to make it back in the regular season because there's just no point. He's locked up. He's a long-term asset. I don't know if Felix Batista is going to be looked at in the same way by a team where I'm just going to look up his contract situation. I think, let me just take a look here. Yeah, he, they have a couple of years of arbitration, but it's not like they have a long, you know, big money investment in Batista like, you know, the Edwin Diaz situation with the Mets. So maybe they'll take more of a chance because they think, well, we have Cano. There's different pitchers on the market we can use, and bullpens are so volatile year after year that maybe they will take a chance on him. I just don't see that coming in the regular season. So for all of you guys holding out, he's 91% rostered in Yahoo leagues, probably similar across a lot of formats, people holding out. I just don't think you're going to get a return on that investment for holding out on him at this point of the season. I just can't see there being great value. Let's say he comes back and he has one or two innings that he pitches, maybe he gets you one save, maybe if they ch- tend to go that route. But like at that point, holding them for this amount of time, if you have free IL space, then I guess it doesn't hurt. But if you're just holding them on your bench right now, eating zeros week after week, I just don't see that being a really smart move uh, on for your fantasy team at this point of the year. You kind of need everybody contributing at this point, pitchers, position players, whoever it is, and I just don't think you're going to get that out of Felix Batista even with this report. So it's nice to see that, you know, he's not too badly hurt, but I think that the Orioles need to be really careful too with this tear because the way he throws, uh, I think anything could happen at any given moment uh, with that arm. But that'll do it for us, guys. I appreciate everybody coming and hanging out. I'll remind you guys once again, I should do this at the beginning of the show because who knows if people listen to the entire podcast. God knows that I've zoned out in the middle of a podcast before and had to rewind and didn't finish it. But please go and rate and review the show if you haven't done so already. It really does help me out. It helps out everybody here at Sports Ethos. helps us grow a little bit. It helps me uh, you know, get more people to see the show. We do this every single day. Uh, we put a lot of time into it, so I really do appreciate all you guys who have already done that and those of you who will go and do that. I hope all you who are listening will go and leave that review wherever you're listening. If your podcast platform allows it, 
that would be really great. Subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already as well. It makes it a lot easier for you to get the podcast in your feed. Makes it easier for me to see those numbers continue to be kind of steady in the offseason when they're, you know, admittedly not going to be as steady as you're going to see in January, February, March, and for those first few months of the season. But you guys can help out with that. Continue to download the show. We're going to be here throughout the offseason breaking down all of 2023, looking ahead to 2024. So stick around for all that. If you guys got any questions or anything, uh, hit me up at JoeRico99 over on Twitter. Ethos Fantasy BB is where we post all of these new shows, podcasts, articles, everything that we got going on at the station, at the network. And um, yeah, sportsethos.com is the website for you guys to be checking out as well. We're going to be back here tomorrow looking at some hot players to add right now. We've been doing that every Thursday. We've hit gold on a couple of them. You're not going to strike on every single one. Uh, But every now and then you get a hot player, you pick him up, and he looks very, very good. I picked up David Schneider pretty early on on his hot streak, and it has paid dividends for me. I thought I was toast in my head-to-head home league last week. But I was able to get by, not just because of David Schneider, uh, but just because we're still picking up players, dropping them, and still trying to remain active on the waiver wire. So that'll do it for me. That's enough rambling. Like I said, tomorrow, pickups, hot pickups of the week. But until then, guys, have a great night. Take care and cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.